Welcome to this episode of Founded in Tech. I am your host, Mark Eckerly, and today I sit down with Zach Sims, who is the co-founder and CEO of Codecademy. They are revolutionizing the way people can learn to write code, which is particularly relevant in today's business environment, as there is a pressing need for software engineers and computer programmers as we progress through this digital transformation. On today's episode, we discuss Code Academy's business model and their various content offerings, which does include some free courses, Zach's thoughts on the future of the edtech space, and finally, he offers some tips to other founders that he has found to be beneficial throughout his journey. I had a great time today talking with Zach and learning about the exciting things happening at Code Academy, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as well. Hello, everyone. Please join me in welcoming Zach Sims from Code Academy to the show. Zach is the co-founder and CEO of the company and joins us today to talk about his background, his company, Code Academy, and some exciting things that they're working on. So welcome to today's show, Zach. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with your background and, and how you came about the idea of Code Academy. I'd be really curious to know the, the genesis and the reasons that led you to starting this company. Yeah, so you know, I, I started Code Academy uh, in 2011. I was an undergrad at Columbia studying political science. And you know, one of the biggest and most impactful things at the time was working for two tech startups in New York. So a company called Dropio that got sold to Facebook and a company called Groutney that got sold to Skype. And I would say from that, um, you know, really what I learned uh, was the importance of these technical skills, things like programming, data science, design, and those things weren't being taught in, uh, in colleges. And, and as a result, you had a lot of people that were graduating from schools uh, and not, uh, you know, not finding jobs. And so graduating with tremendous amounts of debt. Uh, so my co-founder and I kind of saw that trend at the same time I was teaching myself to, to program uh, and, you know, found it super frustrating. And, and so we kind of saw these two things dovetail uh, and ultimately decided, you know, we wanted to create a way for anyone in the world uh, to learn the skills they needed to find jobs and, and to connect to economic opportunity. And so we started Code Academy in an effort to do that. Yeah, I definitely think there's there's an opportunity in the marketplace um, for, for a company just like this. And I mean, you guys have been around for what, 10 years now or so? Um, I think it was founded in That's 2011 right, yeah. or so. Yeah, it's been about nine and a half years. Nine and a half years, yeah. And, and I always say, if I were to go back to, to college, it would be for, uh, not accounting, it would be for computer engineering or software engineering or something to that effect because it's just such a hot market out there. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, the most important skill anyone can learn today. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's let's jump into the, the company's business model, right? The I know there's a couple of subscription plans out there. There's even a, a free solution for, for people that want to just test out what what writing code is. Um, so can you kind of take a deep dive into the various offerings uh, that Code Academy has? And then a, a, a second part to that, um, I'd be curious to know the, the metrics behind the, the, the company, right? Um, being a, an online platform, this is this is open globally. So I'd be curious to know what the numbers are internationally as well, if that's if that's available. Yeah, so so we're a freemium business, so we have tens of millions of learners uh, in the U.S. at this point that uh, you know that that learn on the platform for free. Uh, at this point, you know more than 45 million people that have taken courses over the past uh, nine years on on the platform, and then we have a a paid product which is called Code Academy Pro, which helps uh, people around the world effectively you know learn with an unlimited content library. It gives them access to a community of people like them, and then it gives them the ability to get certificates uh, that they can use to kind of show what they've learned. Um, at the same time, uh, we also offer a product for businesses called Code Academy for Business, obviously. Uh, and I think you know that that product 
it, it takes what we built with Code Academy Pro and then it opens it up to companies. So we have, you know, large Fortune 500s and small businesses that are learning on the uh, on the platform as well. Um, and and that's what we're trying to build with Code Academy Pro. And so I, I think in some, you know, to your comment on metrics, you know, tens of millions of learners that are learning for free at this point, more than 100,000 uh, active learners and subscribers on the Code Academy Pro platform. And we're not really disclosing the size of Code Academy for business at this point, but we can tell you that it's grown more than 350% uh, over the past 12 months. Wow, that's, that's fantastic considering all things that happened in, in 2020. Um, so just to inform everyone, if I were to be the average consumer, right, and sign up for that subscription model, be a, become a pro user, what would I be getting out of that? What kind of content would be delivered um, outside of just maybe additional content or courses to, to learn uh, and writing code? What would I be getting out in that model to pay for? Yeah, so with Code Academy Pro, you basically get, uh, you know, access to a ton of great uh, new courses. So we generate tons of new courses each month that we share with our learners. But really kind of uh, what we've noticed is that, you know, our, our free learners, uh, you know, tend to be dabblers. So they're, they're kind of testing uh, testing the waters a little bit, if, if you will. Um, whereas the, the pro learners tend to be the folks that are really looking for a career upgrade. So they're looking to make more money uh, on a regular basis, whether that's by upgrading their existing career or finding a new uh, job as well. Um, and so we help them do that with comprehensive career paths, with community features, and with the certificates they need to demonstrate their efficacy. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a nice touch for a lot of people um, and an enticing aspect, it, the, the community aspect, right? It's, it's just kind of collaboration in this whole space. Um, so it's definitely important for a lot of users, I would think. Um, Absolutely, yep. So, so sticking with 2020 a little bit, I'd be curious to know how that compared to prior years. You said there was significant growth, uh, 300 plus percent. Um, since the company already had an existing online business model and platform, was the transition during uh, the pandemic and, and COVID-19 fairly seamless? Uh, I mean, for employees, and then as far as the company's operations go, was it, it was an overall productive year, but I'd be curious to know a little bit more of the, the ins and outs there and how that really impacted the company. From, from a pure how did we do perspective, I think we're, we're fortunate enough that the business itself, uh, it was in a position to help in 2020. Uh, and so we, you know, jumped on it and created a couple of quick initiatives. You know, one of them, we uh, gave away 100,000 scholarships to Code Academy Pro to uh, students around the world that were affected by the pandemic and they were out of school for that reason. Um, you know, the second thing we did is launch a work, an initiative for people that were laid off or furloughed, giving away, you know, 100,000 scholarships to them as well to really help as many people as possible get back to work. So I think our focus last year, you know, was not just growing the business, but was really on helping uh, at a time that we think was, was pretty difficult around the world. So that's it from, from a business perspective. I think from an, an internal perspective, you know, it's always difficult uh, to deal with so many sudden changes in a business. And I think for us, we're lucky that we were able to do so, you know, with, with a reasonable degree of um, you know, success. Uh, we've gone remote pretty quickly, obviously, as almost every company did. We've adopted a whole bunch of new norms internally, a remote operating system, a couple other things, um, to make sure that people know kind of what their job is and, and how we should have meetings, you know, when we should have meetings, uh, and, and how to keep the speed of decision making uh, quick uh, during that time. Yeah, I think one thing that would be important for a lot of companies and, and founders to understand is, what what do you think worked for for you when you went to that whole virtual environment? Um, was there anything that you noticed that stood out uh, that that you found beneficial over the last nine months, roughly, uh, internally specifically, that, that that kept employee morale high? Kept I mean, mental health is one of the biggest things right now in, in a lot of companies. It's 
It's just people getting burnt out, possibly working from home. There's a lot of things going on. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on what has worked for you guys. I mean, is, is there anything that really stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think really being as explicit as possible is the biggest thing that's worked for us, you know. So, so we, I mentioned the remote operating system thing. I mean, that really codifies everything, you know, everything from, uh, you know, a common meeting hours to a decision-making framework to, you know, individual roles in meetings. And we try to document just as much as possible. We've, we've managed to, you know, more than double the team since the pandemic started. Um, and so for us, I think, again, that clarity has really helped uh, the team across the board, you know, understand how to get up and running. Um, and, and how to stay on the same page as well. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. And yeah, like you said, being explicit and especially with everyone working all types of hours, right? It's, it's, it's not really a standard nine to five anymore. People are just getting work done as they can, whether it's late at night, or early in the morning. Um, so just kind of setting those expectations, having those daily calls, it's really become more and more critical uh, in today's work environment. 100%. So, so I'd be curious to get your thoughts as well on the future of, of this space, right? So I think this kind of falls somewhat under the umbrella of, of ed tech, education, technology, um, and specifically computer programming industry, right? So, so what would, where do you see the future of this? Do you expect the existing on-campus model to decrease significantly considering all things that happened in 2020 with, with colleges going remote and the whole, the whole on-college campus experience kind of falling by the wayside? Is this going to be a major transition and think this will really kickstart a new wave or do you think things will go back to the normal how they were pre-pandemic um i'd be curious just because this is such an emerging industry of the last eight to 12 years roughly uh so i'd be curious to get your thoughts on what you think for the future no absolutely i mean i think it's it's definitely a major uh you know major growth area for online education i think what's what's very clear is that a lot of these trends they, they are changing uh, and they aren't just temporary changes i think they're long-term changes uh and, and in that sense I think you can see, number one, you know, traditional higher education will be, you know, challenged pretty aggressively from a budgetary perspective even. Um, I think, you know, if we look at, uh, even in the past 12 months, what's happened to a lot of colleges, you know, spending a ton of money trying to be, um, trying maybe to reopen in some cases to be COVID compliant, et cetera. Um, you know, many of them have students that are upset about paying, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year uh, in order to take virtual classes. So I think you're going to see a super big shakeout at the higher ed level. And the other thing that I think we're seeing a lot this year as well is people realizing that, like, look, um, Zoom education, sorry, online education works. Um, Zoom education might not necessarily work, but there are many people this year that are functioning, um, you know, as they can and should uh, without going in person. And so I think that's kind of, for many years, this this insistence on learning in person, and that's the only way that people can learn or, find, or you know, get job skills or find a job or go to college um, is just not true, right? Um, and so I, I think there's, uh, that belief will remain. And I think the skepticism of, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, big education, if you will, which is, you know, the traditional college industry, um, K-12, et cetera, will remain because people are realizing, like, what am I spending fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 for um, and, and not getting, you know, a positive return on that? Yeah, the, the, the cost of secondary education nowadays is just absolutely mind-blowing and, and students are in, in debt for decades after college. Um, so kind of giving yep. them a, a cost-effective solution um, and then they can they can go to the job market with a, a full education and degree with minimal debt, if anything, um, and really have that experience. It's it's game-changing. It really is. Um, I'd be curious, what, what are you guys doing from, a, I guess, a marketing standpoint? I recently saw the announcement um, you guys are working with with Lolly, who's a, a Bitcoin 
uh, rewards program that they help you guys are on board with them. I'd be curious from marketing, what, what are you guys doing to incentivize new, user, new users onto the platform? Um, is there anything that you guys are thinking is, is differentiating you guys from, from other companies in your space? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we really have a focus on just, you know, giving people the best educational experience. Uh, and, and that's why I think we grow from a word of mouth perspective more so than, than any other channel. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the real, um, the real thing that we focused on over the past couple of years is how can we build a product that's so good that it markets itself? Um, and, and our learners are our best advocates, you know, whether they've gone on to start companies, gone on to make more money and do careers. Um, and, and so we think, you know, oftentimes it's not really worth providing, you know, crazy incentives for people to sign up because we stand by what we've built. Um, and we think, you know, we've built the best way for people to upskill uh, that exists right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so even, even, I guess, recommendations that have come from customers of your platform, what have they found to be beneficial? What's their favorite part of using their platform? I'd be curious. It's almost like a selling factor, right? That you would use for, for new users. What have they found to be the best part? Is it the community experience? I think it's the, the uh, interactive learning experience. It's really what people say. Um, you know, they, they really appreciate the uh, ability to learn by doing. I think in other places they commonly learn, uh, you know, by, uh, by watching videos, by listening to long lectures. And with Codecademy, there's a real focus on you know learning by doing by building things, uh, and I think that's what really makes people happy. Gotcha. Yeah, I would say that's probably how I learn best too, right? It's just doing it myself and learning from my own mistakes or errors, and really just putting my head down. Um, it's funny how yep. everyone learns in their their own way, but uh, that that definitely seems to be the way that works for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think most people feel that way, um, and and that's I think why we've seen success with the uh, the learning style that we have with Coach Academy. Gotcha. So, so what recommendations would you have for, for other founders and, and C-suite executives in this space that are, are really trying to like spearhead their own startup, their own emerging technology company, right? They're, they're hitting it from the ground up, um, even, in the, even in today's pressing times, right, where there's some economic uncertainty uh, in, the, in the education technology space. Any, any tips or tricks that you've learned over your, your career of starting a company from the, from the beginning and anything that you can pass down to other founders? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that the biggest thing is to kind of know what you don't know, right? I think it, it becomes very easy when you're starting a company to, to think that you, you know, you need, to, you need to have the answers to everything um, because you're the founder, you're the CEO of the company, uh, and everyone needs to listen to you. And I think kind of what I've realized is, is that actually the most important thing to know um, is, you know, what, what you might need help on uh, and how to find that help as quickly as possible. And I think, you know, it took me a couple of years to grow into that understanding. Um, and I think, you know, we live in a technology world where people are so insistent on, uh, you know, being clear about uh, what, you know, they want to project confidence when they're going into, you know, investor meetings, et cetera. But actually, you know, again, the most important thing is, is to be very acutely aware of like what you're good at and, and maybe what you're less good at and solving those uh, gaps as quickly as possible. I, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. Uh, a mentor of mine actually told me the same thing is, is one of the most difficult parts of developing yourself is realizing what you're good at and what you're not good at and then filling those yep. gaps with people that can do that job. So it's, it's very funny yeah, to say it's, that it's, because it's, <laughs> it's confusing, but it's, it's, yeah, it's paradoxical, but effectively kind of that knowing what you don't know and demonstrating that vulnerability is actually strength. So. Yeah. And, and realizing that you can't do it. That's the difficult part is just realizing it and accepting it. Right. Yep. Great. Well, well, that just about wraps up today's episode with Zach. Uh, I think there's a lot of great takeaways here that you've given us today. Uh, if you'd like to learn more, you can visit codeacademy.com. Uh, great. Well, thanks again, and, and we'll see you on the next episode of Founded in Tech.
Thank you for tuning in. If you liked it and want to hear more, you can follow us and subscribe, and we'll see you next time on Founded in Tech.